You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, sponsored by Starburst Magazine, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about dinosaurs and Daleks so that you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Mark. I'm Simon. And in the time-honoured tradition of these things, I'm going to start this episode with a synopsis of the episode that you've presumably just watched. The Doctor and the Pons arrive on a spaceship that has been crashing to Earth in a time loop ever since the dawn of time. The ship has just turned up on the scanners back on Earth, and the authorities have six hours to shoot it out of the sky. Once there, the Doctor and company are surprised to discover an army of dinosaurs piloting the ship. The Doctor takes the TARDIS and flies back to 1900 to pick up a big game hunter, with whom he used to have a rather flirty relationship. When the Doctor returns to the spaceship, Amy and Rory have been eaten by dinosaurs. After the big game hunter, played by Queen Nefertiti, has shot a few dinosaurs, the Doctor manages to find his way to the spaceship's control centre. It turns out the spaceship is of Jaggeroth origin, and the pilot of the ship has been splintered throughout space rather than time, and is now in the form of the many dinosaurs running around the ship. One of the dinosaurs has been conducting rudimentary experiments with time travel, and has accidentally locked the ship in its current time loop. Fortunately, one of the effects of the time loop is that Amy and Rory suddenly spring back into life, regurgitating themselves from the stomach of one of the dinosaurs that Queen Nefertiti, the big game hunter, earlier shot. The Doctor realises that in order to break the time loop, he must prevent the Jaggeroth explosion that caused life to begin on Earth back at the dawn of time. This he does, and the spaceship breaks its time loop, crashing into the now-deserted Earth and causing a new explosion that causes life to spring up afresh in some kind of crazy planetary reset, which also involves Amy not recognising what dinosaurs are. Rory decides to sit and wait on this new Earth for several million years until a new Amy is born again. Right, that's the episode we just watched, lads. What did you think of it? I don't remember any of that. that. I've got a feeling (laughs) that that's what Moffat has taken back in time with him. Uh, You know, he's in the box, obviously. He's gone back in time to do the series. I see. But he's misheard a lot of that, so he's recreated it with Chris Chibnall. Or else he's told Chris Chibnall that, and Chris Chibnall had better ideas. (laughs) (laughs) More likely the latter. So what did you think, guys? Rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. It was great. Yeah, I loved it as well, actually. It's restored my faith. Doctor Who. And in Chris Chibnall. Yeah, and definitely in Chris as well. It's yeah. nice to see Lee smiling when he's talking about Doctor Who. I'd never thought well, I'd see the day. The last season, yeah, like, you know my feelings on the last season, a little bit kind of, a little bit mm. fray, you know. That was cinematic from the off, which is very Moffat, as we know, but it just worked. It was so much fun. It was. I'm bubbling with it. You know, we said at the start of uh, production on these episodes that he was going to give us movies, little yeah. movies for the television, and he did. What did you say, Simon, a minute ago? You said it's like being at the cinema. It was, yeah. I got to the end of the uh, end of the film, yeah, and I, I had the same nice, warm feeling from watching a good film. It was all very complete. Yeah. And as you say, 
getting away from that story arc thing for a bit is love is a lovely thing and having it's a self con- self-contained episode everyone all the characters were working to their full potential they were and it was really nice to see that the doctor didn't know what was going on once he was on the ship for a change and that we had a brand new villain Solomon, who it was, was an, so out, an out awesome. villain, yeah, yeah, yeah an actual proper, proper villain, villain for a change, yeah. yeah. And I even started thinking at the end, did he survive? Well, yeah, and I we, hope uh, so. we're fast forwarding to the end, obviously, but yeah, uh, I really hope so. Yeah, skip to the end. Oh, well, <laughs> everybody who's listening to this has presumably seen the episode, and if yeah. they haven't, after that synopsis I just gave, <laughs> they probably won't bother. <laughs> None of this is making any sense, but. Yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about a few of the elements. Solomon, then, yeah, great character, I great actor, great actor. Yeah. Well, the casting in, the in general was yeah. stunning, oh, it wasn't was it? Spot on, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, he had a he had a great pair of crutches, which he used as a weapon, yeah. which I thought was a lovely design. And he looked um, fantastic as well. Oh, so he was so creepy, and yeah, yeah. you know, you believed his threat. Yeah, good. Of course, you initially think Filch, and then but <laughs> you forget. You forget that he's Filch. Well, he's almost the same, isn't he? Just a Is little, that the Harry yeah, little less creepy. The Harry Potter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Can't I take it. Sorry, I was, <laughs> sorry. I went into geek mode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I um, knew what you were talking about. Yeah, but the casting in general. Um, Mitchell and Webb. Mitchell and Webb. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 Jr. Just did a little wee. <laughs> they were brilliant. Fandom is going to hate that, but it was brilliant. Oh, it was. It absolutely worked. Fandom's going to probably, you know, there are certain quarters of fandom are probably just going to hate this episode because it's silly. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it wasn't just silly. There was quite a lot of pathos in there. Yeah. Once you got through all the comedy, once you find out what happened to the Silurians, mm. I mean, it really took a turn for the pathetic, you know, pathos it took a turn into pathos that really worked mm. and mm. that was a nice double bluff actually by chris by putting in the silurians first and then having solomon second uh, he's yeah. the real yeah. problem seeing as you've mentioned his name um i officially bow to mr chibnall i've not really been a fan of him yeah, in the past, i'm completely honest and absolute hats off to him well i thought his first two stories in doctor who were absolutely fine and they yeah. they suffered from a few problems that were probably out of his control. I think 42 wasn't an especially well-directed He's not been given episode. the chance to shine. No, and here he did. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't, did. you didn't like the direction, did you, Jay, in 42? 42, no, I didn't. But I didn't like the casting. I didn't like the casting. Well, no, but I, that's what I mean. The, yeah. the, the cast that the director put together was the wrong cast for that mm. episode. Or it, he didn't do the right job in giving them notes and what have you. But on this, everything was absolutely perfectly judged. Mm. Old, what's his face from yeah. Sherlock as the big game hunter, Riddell? Um, what's the actor's name? He took a little That's bit awful. of time for Rupert to warm Graves. up for me, though. I, I, it felt a little bit like he was playing this part. And it was it was different from everything he'd done before, and you felt like he was trying a bit too hard I at the thought start. Was but fantastic, but by the end, I'd bought it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Nefertiti, I'm not too sure what we were. Saying we, very briefly why she yeah, was there. Simon and but, I were just wondering why she was there. Um, we must have missed something at the beginning. Maybe I no, couldn't understand wasn't. why she was <clears throat> going with the Doctor or why that game hunter was going with the Doctor. That was the only problem I had with the episode. But I don't well, miss something. It's, it's just a case of we need these characters yeah. in this film. We need a Scooby Doo gang. Just, yeah, let's just <laughs> do it. I think, you well, know, if well, you're going to properly enjoy Doctor Who, sometimes you have to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. And other times Bin? you have to. <laughs> 
We were, talking about, to... we were talking about the writing process, but working you... backwards. We were thinking, right, dinosaurs, you need a big game hunter. Yeah. Uh, big game hunter from that period, probably quite sexist. Yeah, so you yeah. get this strong female character to... Play off again. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. But it didn't make sense why they were there in the first place. It just so Well, that's what I was saying. You have to suspend your disbelief yeah. and surrender your logic to a certain extent. That's if you're what's nice go about with a ride, watching this fresh from, you know, from literally from just watching the episode. It's um, it'd be interesting. You don't get the chance to analyze too much, which is probably something we're, well, we are very guilty of, and and sometimes it can spoil your enjoyment if you do. Very briefly talking about strong female characters, I was really impressed with Amy in this one because she's actually become from seeing this the companion I'd always hoped she was going to be. She's strong, she's sassy, but I don't know. In the previous series. It just got really annoying. The way she treated Rory was really appalling. And what had happened there, Mark, is that she matured. Mm. She's basically grown up. She's matured as an actress. Yeah, it's it's working. I actually liked Amy Pond in this. this is the first yeah, time I I'd ever say this. And of course, and Chris Rory, Chibnall of course, has as well. written her as you know two years older than she was at the end of series six, for instance. Mm. Mm. So he's obviously written a character that is yeah slightly uh, cynical about the Doctor. I mean, the 10 months thing comes up. And also, uh, she's slightly more... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the space and time travel thing. She's slightly more... Yeah, uh, yeah aware. She's got more um, wa- yeah. wisdom, really, Nonce. about travelling with the Doctor. You know, she had her own two companions for a little while, and she was yeah. riffing off that, and you could tell she was enjoying that. And that was played subtly by... Um, by Thank you. I was say Amy <laughs> Pond, uh, but it was subtle and it was it was done well. And you know, Rory was good, but also Matt Smith. He had he's, he's, oh, even though Some he's of... reeling it off really fast. It's much more clearer. It's much more understandable. His to- comic timing in this was absolutely impeccable. It was. It was. And um, the turn into gone. the steeliness when he comes face to face with Solomon is much more believable. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt Smith really, really sold that scene. In fact, the the pair of them together. He sent him off to his death. Yeah, well, you know, Solomon had done a very nasty thing. Genocide, essentially. Yeah, but I don't know. Tennant would have given him a second chance, wouldn't he? No, I don't think Tennant would. No. Oh, no second chance. Probably would have have trapped him in a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Chucked him down a well. I think you'll find Solomon's probably found his way out of that. I was going to say, I I think he gave him a get-out clause because the actual... uh, He gave him an option, didn't he? The crystal that he had... He mm. said, oh, it's very little. You know, it's a crystal. It's yeah. going to lock onto this. If there was another escape pod from that spaceship, he could have easily gotten away from it, couldn't he? Because it's like, yes. oh, or you could have ejected it out into space or something. I don't know. Yeah. Are you two clutching at let's hope he comes back straight? I hope so. <laughs> He's a great villain. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Well, of course, they could always do uh, you know, a story set earlier in his timeline after Matt Smith regenerates. <laughs> well, it's a bounty hunter called Solomon. I mean, it's... It's there, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. It's the, I tell you what it is, it's the Stephen Moffat universe. Chris Chibnall has really, really sold us the Stephen Moffat universe. Mm. Bounty hunters and, you know, the whole Silurian thing as well. I yeah. mean, Chris yeah, Chibnall that's... obviously did the Silurian story the first time. Mm. But the way it, I mean, coming into this episode, we didn't know that it was going to be Silurians. And of course, we hadn't thought about it. We just knew no. this was an old spaceship no, yeah. that had dinosaurs on it. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as the Silurian turns up, it's just, you know, 
Obvious. Obvious, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's all part and parcel of it being part of this universe. That's what makes it so obvious, so perfect, because it all fits together like a jigsaw puzzle where all the pieces are perfectly cut. That's such a great moment seeing the Silurian. I thought, oh, that's, that makes so much sense. And it ties in with all of the Doctor Who universe we know already. Everything so, that happened know, last year. We all year, collectively yeah. wet our pants at that point, I'm sure. <laughs> Another nice moment. Was it just me? When the Doctor was scanned and it didn't recognise him. Brilliant. Yes. yes. That is how it should be. About time. And Rory's dad. Yeah, Mark Williams. Yeah. Brilliant. Stunning. Mm. Wasn't sure. I mean, he, he played himself, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I wasn't sure because we know him so well in everything else he's yeah. been in. But again, he underplayed it. He, uh, it yeah, yeah. He did. And at the end, in the scene with him and the Rory and the co pilot, Jess, again, another brilliant piece of logic from Chris Chibnall mm. the sort of gene thing that we've seen <laughs> in his first story. Yeah. And it comes up at the end of this. And yeah, okay, after you've seen it, it's a bit obvious and it's maybe sort of shoehorned into the plot a bit. Nice actually, it doesn't matter because well. it works. Yeah. Great. <laughs> what was that, Mark? And that, nice line about the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> and how often do you watch something where there's, um, you know, a father and a sibling, or a father and son, and you don't actually think that they're related? But I completely yeah, bought really into yeah. the fact that they were yeah. father and son. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally the relationship was there. Oh, and yeah. I've, I've been missing that because mm. RTD did that a lot, of course. And I, that's what I was missing. I was missing... A family element that was that was and realistic. that lovely scene at the end where he sat on the edge of the yeah. TARDIS. Yeah, I've got to say that's brilliant. that was my favourite scene. Oh, visually, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. they, it was just they, lovely. The dinosaurs were brilliant. Yeah, and there were a lot more dinosaurs in it than we may have been given to expect mm. because you know budgets are down, and you know. Oh I've, yeah. Well, I suppose from a practical point of view, they probably would have had all the stuff for the um, pterodactyls from where they used them last series. Yeah. The CG element of that could have been just used again. It still, you know, yeah. it takes a lot of animating course, and rendering. Yeah. Mm. And it's got to be believable, and it looked believable, didn't it? I mean, I didn't at oh. any point think, oh, that's oh, a CG. So sorry how, how I, oh, I had a little... <laughs> I had a wet geek moment when <laughs> the Ankylosaurus... A wet geek? Yeah. <laughs> 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 topless wet geek competition. <laughs> I know, it's, sort of... it's not his top that's wet. Oh, no. That goes down as one of the best scenes ever. Was seeing an Ankylosaurus go past the TARDIS. That was great. Yeah, it was really good. It was it was funny soon... and, the, and the tail just caught things at the side. A lot, yeah, lot of subtlety. Yeah. As soon as they tumbled, that's where it, it... that made it feel filmic as well because it didn't yeah. feel like it was any shortcuts. And they didn't with the dinosaurs as well. They didn't go over the top on sort of authenticity. They made them slight those Ankylosauruses at the start. They made them slightly comic with a slightly waddling gait. And yeah. that sold it, actually. Yeah. Because if you'd have been too reverential towards the material, mm. it would have all been a bit dry. But because the Triceratops and, you know, the two dinosaurs at the start were quite amusing, mm. they actually sold them as characters in the story, in a way. Yeah, and apart from the kind of uh, close-up of the, the Doctor stroking the Triceratops, you don't get many, uh, you know, kind of... Close-ups of the dinosaurs roaring at you, and all this—you know—very kind of Jurassic Park, primeval. It avoided all those um, yeah, the cliches. cliches. Can I bleep yeah. you saying primeval? <laughs> <laughs> well, I it, hated that. Show it had so a moment. Much. It had mixtures, didn't it, of uh, Stargate and a bit of primeval thrown in there, and uh, all kind, all kinds of other shows. The Lost but, World. Uh, yeah, but it worked. It really worked. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. Is, is you can usually spot 
you think model CGI, model CGI, and that blurred apart from like you say the close up on the Triceratops when he was stroking it. But the bit where um, Solomon has the Triceratops shot, I mean, I had a little lump in my throat there. That's I did. Yeah. Yes, you big softy. Wow. <laughs> I tell you what, it's such well, a perfectly it... judged script because you put that in right after we find out what happens to the Silurian. So we've already taken the turn into the pathos, yes, which gives us the perfect time for that scene with the Triceratops. He's, I mean, he is an excellent writer, actually. He's just proven it. Mm. There was a nice moment from the hunter as he takes his hat off. Yeah. You know, yes. uh, you know yeah. To, for the because it was shot in cold blood. It wasn't hunted in the way that maybe, yeah. he, you know, he would have hunted it. Also. Yeah, that uh, was a really lovely touch, actually. You Very said, Jurassic Park, though. You said, uh, you know, look out for a particular moment uh, that will make you go, hey, geek time. And it was Daisy Daisy. That came up. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, mm. 2001. Little nod of the little nod of the cap there to 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and ha- w- strangely, isn't it? With um, uh, we've looked at Fifth Element on uh, the radio show, and yeah. the robots were very Fifth Element. They were. Yeah. I thought the they were yeah. going to be the same ones until we got a close. Well, up. the robots are out of uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. They saved some money by reusing robots from Sarah Jane and repainting them. It was either yeah. So the f- my I first th- thought was Fifth Element. Second mm. thought was those big yellow. Yellow robots red, in the yeah. Sarah Jane, but they weren't. There was something completely different. It was all very hitchhikers. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, oh, a lovely mix. I thought they were the robots from Sarah Jane, just repainted. Not the same make, I don't think. Not the same type. Really? No, no I. I think that's a. <coughs> well, but there might have been different. Maybe version I should of check it out. Different version on the factory line. Who knows? But uh, anyway. yeah, why not? And the, the comedy, properly funny, actually yes. properly funny, not. Forced, contrived humour. Well, it was a it was an episode that absolutely deserves to be seen in a packed cinema. Really, <laughs> that would have had people roaring in the aisles, even more so than the dinosaurs were. Shame they the didn't start. show it uh, <laughs> instead of the Dalek episode, or, or or why they didn't do it as well as the Dalek episode. Well, yeah, they have done that before, where they've shown the first two episodes, and this would have gone down an absolute storm, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Would have got applause at the end, I think. Right, I should point out that as we're recording this, we actually haven't seen the Dalek episode yet. <laughs> yeah. we're, this is all a bit wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey for us, so we'll be watching the, the Dalek episode in a couple of days. But So we're going to append our review of that to the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else? Anybody Just like one to more bring thing up? about the technology that happens throughout Stephen Moffat's time. Now and again, you get to see nature playing a big part. Uh, on spaceships somewhere at Time of Angels, they yeah, used yeah, it was very much like the forest fault, yeah, yeah. Um, this time around, we had the engines beach. used by and Tidal, yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was nice, obviously, it doesn't quite work logically because how are they gonna, you know, that great <laughs> big beach and that great big sea doesn't <laughs> fit in that spaceship, but. Well, I don't know. We don't quite know how big it is, do we? Well, no, that's I true. I love the spaceship. But it's like silent running, uh, isn't it, with all these little pods yeah. on the outside? But, I don't, but that didn't spoil it at all. No, it was rather all. nice, actually. And actually, let's talk about the spaceship design. Yeah. That was fantastic, it. It was wasn't great. it? great, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. And there's some seriously nice-looking special effects of it, too. Mm. There's a lot, obviously, a lot more spent on the special effects budget on that episode than there usually is by a long way, I would yeah. have said. Very and enjoyable. It, and it pays off, though, because everything about that episode was sold, completely sold. I, I think mean, the pacing was very good, because sometimes with single-parters, it feels like they've tried to really cram it all in, but I didn't feel that. There was a certain element of that at the start. Mm. 
you know, all the bouncing around, picking up Nefertiti and then... Uh, a lot of like Bill and Ted spoke as adventure. Well, it was <laughs> yeah, uh, stuffing it was them all into a telephone box. Absolutely right, brilliant. Oh, maybe it was, that was a nod to that. Who yeah, knows? the pre-title sequence was a standard Stephen Moffat authored pre-title sequence, yeah, yeah. but Chris Chibnall had done it. In fact, what Chris Chibnall's done there with that ap- episode is taken all the good stuff from Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who over the last two years and sort of put it in a cauldron, give it a good mix. And come up with the perfect soup. Yeah. I mean, uh, some of the people who've tried to copy elements from Stephen Moffat while they've been writing for Stephen Moffat haven't always done the best of jobs in that you it sometimes becomes too obvious what they're doing. But in this episode, you just sit back and enjoy the ride. And it's not until you start picking it apart like we're doing now where you go, oh, yeah, of course, that comes from that Stephen Moffat story and that bit comes from that Stephen Moffat story and there's a lot of it in there Mm. but you don't really notice because it's so perfectly put together it's so perfectly mixed it just works exactly this was uh, the Wedding of River Song had a similar uh, opening I think in fact a lot of them had similar openings Uh, but I thought this worked the best even though I still am confused why those two characters were on board it didn't matter and he, he so clev- the doctor can have a gang. So he can he, have a gang. Yeah, I love but it, that. again, it cleverly, I think they spent a lot of money on like effects. But you look at where it's filmed, you know, it's very, it's just a lot of mist and stuff going on. At, yeah, you know, yeah. In just a warehouse. Set very well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, 1902 or whatever it is in the middle of the of Africa is just a tent hmm. and blackness, and it's very, very clever the way that they've saved money. Oh yeah, to make it look expensive. Told. Yeah, unashamedly picked from. This is this is an understatement, but uh, and it's stating the obvious. But um, unashamedly, grab stuff out of Jurassic. I mean, the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, yeah. I think I'm right in saying that the Raptors were kind of designed for Jurassic Park. They weren't. They didn't. There isn't actually any evidence of any Raptors of that size. But then, uh, didn't later on, yeah. they didn't, didn't they find some? I've no idea. I know Raptors. They they have got bones of Raptors. And stuff but they're like quite that. small, aren't they? The whole thing with the big know. game hunter and the dinosaurs Possibly. is very much of the um, the book, The Lost World. Yes. Well, and Conan Doyle. Oh, right. Okay. That's yeah. right out of that. In fact, there was a short story by an author who I should know, but I can't remember, and it'll come back to me and I'll punch myself in Ray the face. Ray Bradbury. That's the one. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what was it called? A Sound of Thunder. That's it. Great story. I Terrible didn't know film. what you were talking about at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got it straight away. You're on the same wavelength. I love that story. And it Have was you seen a- the film? It's awful. Anyway. What, what, what? Oh, no. The film is so bad. It's really good fun. You've got to watch it. <laughs> it's really You've got bad. to watch it in a crowd. Oh, it's like Time Machine and Island of Dr. What, Moreau what, all over what? again. Is it a dinosaur story? Uh, is it yeah, basically what it is about big game hunters in the future who uh, travel back to the past to shoot dinosaurs as they're just about to be killed. So a uh, Tyrannosaurus rate might be hit by a, um, a giant... I don't know, falling yeah, tree. So before it gets killed, they have a bit of fun and kill it off. And then they go back to the future. But the problem is they're all told not to step off the path because if they tread on anything, it could yeah, alter the future. Yeah, they have the like future. an electronic path that they have to keep. To yeah, right. so this is where the big, um, the great idea of treading on the butterfly can change mm-hmm. future history. Mm-hmm. So somebody treads on a butterfly and then they go back to the future. I've and seen it in The Simpsons. Changed. Yeah, but this, yeah, but this is where it all comes from, that story. And that's what it Go kind Mark. of reminded me of a bit, actually. Go on, Mark Lee, you haven't experienced this in person yet. What? Mark's voice. Mark's got his comedy oh, voice now. Have you, got, have you got a comedy voice, Mark? Well, apart from the Hang on, all the rest of impressionation. comedy voices. It's about time you did yours. Mmm, <laughs> 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 forbidden donut. 
That's actually really good. I was, I was waiting for him to go, dog. He didn't do dog. Didn't, didn't do. That's it. There we go. I think we've got somewhat off the subject of dinosaurs here. <laughs> Unless you consider Homer Simpson but, a dinosaur. Tenuous. But I do have to say, I'm buzzing after that. That was really good. Yeah. Really yeah, good. That's good fun. Yeah. Uh, should we mark it out of 10? Whoa. Um, Ooh, don't everybody get, sit back. Don't get why Naffy and the hunter was there. Not quite sure about the uh, Solomon telling the Doctor his entire plan halfway through. About 8 out of 10? 8.5. Oh, you can't give it a half a mark out of 10. Yes, I can. So you're scoring it out of 20 then? Who says? With 8.5 out of 10, is 17 out of 20. 8.75 then. <laughs> <laughs> Simon? <laughs> I d- oh. I don't. It's early days, isn't it's it? It's difficult, isn't it? Straight yeah, after really, watching straight it, straight after watching, I'd a, say an eight out of ten. Do it, yeah, yeah, possibly for the same reasons you know as what? me. But, I, uh, but I'll go back to the old Smash Hits marking thing. The eight out of ten <laughs> albums were always the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna after the first time I saw it, I thought eight out of ten. But now, because I'm the only one in this room who's seen it a second time, nine out of ten. Yeah. Well, I'd say between eight and nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark, I'll give it an eight. I think actually we've rounded ourselves up to eight and a half out of ten anyway, haven't we? <laughs> That's an average. So there you have it. Dinosaurs on a spaceship. The Blue Box podcast verdict is in and it is 8.33 out of 10. <laughs> it feels like that's undermarking it, doesn't it? Because uh, if we're talking instant it enjoyment, so it's definitely it a nine a out of ten. It was a lot of fun. And the cinematic, yeah. yeah. No, I'd have to go with the 8.5. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get? Should we take it up to a nine out of ten? Tip our cap to it. God, I do. You can do what you like. <laughs> I've made my choice. Are we going to spend longer in this podcast on the mark than we are this on is, the actual? Well, the, no, episode. I'm just thinking what it deserves. Really. I'll tell you what. Why don't you give it a nine out of ten? Because it was huge fun, and it was there was so much in it, and it was all good. And we, I think, for me, this whole kind of about. trying to mark them out of ten, you can only really get a proper grip on it having seen the whole series, really, yeah. and being able to judge them against each other. But on its own, yeah, but, I would say. But as JR has pointed out before, the majority of people watch an episode once and that's it. Yeah, so yeah. maybe we should judge it in that respect. Yeah. How much fun did you have watching it? Oh, oh, yeah. It was a blast. Ah. I think it helps that we all watched it together. I yeah, think. and Lee was playing yeah. with my knee as well, so that added to the enjoyment. Did I play with your knee? You did, yeah. I thought it was my you, knee. I wonder why I couldn't when see When the it. triceratops died, <laughs> you cut off the blood supply to my foot. <laughs> <laughs> At least I hope it was his knee. At least I hope it was your foot. (laughs) (laughs) And on that bombshell. (laughs) Yeah, we'll uh, be back in about five seconds with our review of Asylum of the Daleks. We'll be back after these messages. Okay, before we go any further, we've got an email from Graham Boyd, who's not written to us before. So, uh, you know, first time writer inner. Hi, Graham. Is there an expression for that? First time writer inner? It can't be writer inner. Email virgin? First time correspondent. I don't think he's an email virgin. I should imagine that if he's never written an email before, that his very first email of all the emails he's ever going to (laughs) write is probably not going to be to us. He said, Hi all, thought you might find this interesting or amusing. Recently I went on holiday to Italy and apart from running around Pompeii in my 10th Doctor t-shirt, well I kind of had to, 
And laying on a sun lounger, listening to you lot wittering on about JNT, our hotel, although advertised as being for adults, had a few families with kids. And as I listened to the four of you talking about the importance of the 8 to 12-year-old audience, I noticed the face of the silence staring back at me from a kid's magazine. The kid, by the way, had a near encyclopedic knowledge of both the new and classic series, although his dad had taught him that McCoy was the crap doctor, which I have to disagree with. And editorial note, so do I. Consensus? McCoy, the crap doctor? Don't no. Think, uh, there te- you technically, go. there haven't been any crap doctors. There have been no From doctors. Crap stories, but... Yes. <laughs> there have been no doctors made of crap. Graham carries on. (laughs) (laughs) Cue David Adams. I think he's already done one, hasn't he? The five feces of Doctor Who. Oh. Graham carries on. uh, But the best Who moment of my holiday came while showing a Belgian couple our pictures of Herculaneum. Their son noticed my fifth Doctor shirt and piped up with Monseigneur Celery. Or Monsieur? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, my Italian's not really up to scratch. Yeah. I thought he said they were Belgian. Uh, they were in Italy. Yeah, but they were talking to some Belgian. <laughs> Are you even listening to this email? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing as Mark. Yeah. Are we? Yeah, they suddenly change language when they go into a different country. What country, what language do they speak in Belgium? Well, um, I don't know. Well, Hercule Poirot is a bit... Well, oh, no, he's not Belgian. He's, he's not Belgian for starters, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? No, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is, yeah. So they, they speak French, don't they? Belgium is a country that has two national languages depending upon where you live, one of which is French, and the other is, if I'm not... Oh, it could be Flemish. Are you doubting I think yourself, Flemish, yeah. Pardon? Flemish. Are you doubting yourself? Am I doubting myself? Yeah. I don't know the facts. <laughs> I'm glad this is just an audio. Have you got podcast. your mic switched on, Lee? <laughs> oh God. Can we go back to the start? That was great. Could you not hear me at all? I suddenly realised you're right. That, that was great. Through at all. Sound man. We'd better go back and start again, hadn't we? Just drop my bits in. I didn't say much. Okay, this is good. <laughs> People who are listening to this podcast because the dinosaurs on a spaceship review who've never heard this before are going to find this absolutely hilarious. What are we doing then? We, I'm in the middle of reading the an email. Let's just carry on. Okay. Technical glitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah. Technical glitches are par for the course with these things. Now, Graham Boyd's email carries on. My girlfriend was then attacked by a Belgian Dalek. Both, both the boy... <laughs> Getting more random. Come Both the boy, whose name is spelt Quentin, but is actually pronounced Quentin, and his dad, Ali, were both big fans of Matt Smith's Doctor. These are Belgians, right? I was aware that Who was doing well in America, but I had not even considered that it would be that big in the non-English-speaking world. Mm. Oh, Graham, you could have said what language they were speaking, though. Anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying that. Yes, you're right. Who needs the 8- to 12-year-old? No, I've misread that. Uh-huh. Yes, you're right. Who needs the 8 to 12-year-olds as well as the, shall we say, more experienced fans? And the current incarnation is doing it brilliantly. Mm. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the new series. Uh, thanks from me. Well, there you go. Just on that note, I did ask a, a gaggle of lads this evening, including my son, who were kicking balls outside in the street. And I thought, I'll go and ask him very quickly. I recorded it, actually. 
uh, you know, who their favourite doctor was. And they all said Matt Smith. Well, of course they did. Yeah, but I mean, they went through the tenant years as well. I mean, they're 10, 11 years old. 11, 12 years old, in fact. And I was surprised. I thought, you know, maybe Tenant would have held on being quite a strong doctor oh, when you're eight years old. get superseded at that age. Yeah, yeah. You have just destroyed the link I was about to make. You can edit that out. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, if this podcast's all gone tits up right in the middle, let's get it back on course in a minute. I was going to say, when I got to the end of the email, so let's find out what one of those 8 to 12-year-olds thinks of it, and let's go straight to the man who's just had his phones going off. <laughs> Lee's son, Finn's here. While Finn answers the phone, I will read out the Asylum of the Daleks uh, synopsis that we have written up because we like to do a synopsis, because that's the done thing on a podcast, to do a synopsis of a story. Synopsis of a story. The Doctor travels to Scarrow on the day the Seventh Doctor is due to have it destroyed and meets Davros, as played by Julian Bleach. Davros sees the Hand of Omega approaching on his space-time visualiser and persuades the Doctor to grant the pun-swapping Daleks asylum by taking them aboard the TARDIS and finding a new home for them. The Doctor agrees and promises to take Davros and his creations to an uninhabited planet he's found called Soleil. That's S-O-L-E-T. However... Once they're in flight, Davros insists the Doctor goes back to Scarrow at an earlier point in time and saves those Daleks too. The Doctor is feeling generous and does so. He arrives on Scarrow and meets a younger Davros, played by someone whose name I didn't catch, who comes aboard the TARDIS with another army of wisecracking Daleks and they all head for their new home on Soleil. However, the two Davroses don't get along and before the Doctor knows what's happening, the two Dalek armies are at it flirting with each other in the TARDIS library and swimming pool. This is Stephen Moffat's story, you can tell, can't you? <laughs> the Doctor saves the day by forcing the two Davroses to sort out their differences in an arm-wrestling match. He was arguing for a staring competition, but they wouldn't have it, and then outwitting them by deleting several rooms from the TARDIS, including the library and the swimming pool, while they're arm-wrestling. Once the two Davroses realise they are all alone in the universe, all their Daleks having been deleted, they decide to kiss and make up. The Doctor drops them off at Soleil and they vow to start a new family of Daleks as soon as nature will allow them to. <laughs> wow. <coughs> well, that's the synopsis of the episode we've just seen. And now that you've finished <laughs> talking on the telephone, Finn, what did you think of it? Asylum of the Daleks. Oh. Um, I thought it was really good and surprising. But you enjoyed it? Yeah. Good. Uh, anything particular about it that you enjoyed? Um, the bit where their eyes came out of their heads. And oh, yeah, of course. And the guns <laughs> on their hands. Yeah, that was pretty, you know, that was yeah. a bit autony. That, that was, was, the, that was stuff the bit that, that I, th I thought, oh, no, that's a bit silly. Yeah, but that's exactly <laughs> so the kind of thing. It's an evolution of the Robomen, surely. Yeah. Hmm? It's an evolution of the Robomen. Well, you know, what I, oh, when I yes. said it's the Auton thing, I didn't mean specifically that's what Autons do. What I meant was that's the kind of thing that gets us really excited when we're kids, when a hand drops away and of a course, gun comes yes. out. Yeah. Actually, they could have said an upgrade of the Robomen. That would have been quite cool. Yeah, but then oh. we didn't actually see any classic series Daleks, really, did we? Not so, really. Um, I was trying to play spot the Dalek. Special weapons Dalek. Yeah, we saw it for like three seconds as the camera panned over yeah. the top of it. As, was it Rory was running through or was it the yeah. Doctor? One or the and other Rory was running was through and that was it. We went past it and it was gone. Yeah. Did we see any of the classic series <laughs> Daleks actually? The special weapons Dalek. Well, like the special weapons cameo. 
Did we actually see any of the classic series Daleks moving around? I think no. there was um, a was, was second Doctor one kind of spinning around when they're all doing their sort of dancing thing when she yeah. realises they're Daleks and not And people. that was it, wasn't they were it? They possibly yeah. too dusty to work out. And when they were going through uh, the uh, uh, you know the Exelon and Vulcan, the planets that the Doctor visited, you know, me and Simon both looked at each other and we had that tingle going, hee hee, yeah. that geeky tingle. <laughs> but... We didn't really see any. No, of we those just saw Russell C. Davis era Dalek, yeah. didn't we? Which mm. was interesting. Which is fair enough. And uh, a subject for another time is the uh, literary agent hypothesis, which is you know, my favourite way of explaining these yeah. things away. But, oh no, I'm not going to go into it, Lee. It's a long topic, a long conversation. What, can you explain that sentence? Uh, I explain it in the magazine, so if you want to find out <laughs> what the literary agent <laughs> hypothesis is, buy the next issue of Starburst magazine mm. on sale on the 3rd, Friday in September. You tease. Well, uh, by the time people are hearing this, it'll only be about a week away. Well, there's the, or a the, fortnight the, away. In the intensive care unit. That's the, it. Yeah, <laughs> there was the ones that were supposedly involved in the... So, But your brain just sort of says, oh, they've been upgraded. And that's why you don't see many of the old-style Daleks. Maybe. Did you think to yourself, these are all the maddest, most insane Daleks, the ones that are too mad and insane to be battle Daleks, mm. and they've all been put in this place because they're too mad and too insane to be allowed out into the universe, and yet they just don't really do very much. They just sort of sit around. Well, they gave the impression in the episode that they were just faulty. Yeah, yes. they were just like out the back of Argos. They're ones that didn't. They were like, <laughs> I cannot be an army Dalek. My balls have fallen off. That kind of Dalek, yeah. Exactly. Basically. This is what yeah. I think about the special weapons Dalek. It goes, None of them talk to me. I'm just a walking gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a walking tool. Um, yeah. No, I, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I was waiting for something amazing to happen i was waiting for something crazy to happen okay we got the we got the, the crazy twist okay yeah. but we didn't we'll get any of the other crazy kind of daleks go mental firing stuff out and being really angry at nothing you know banging their heads against the wall for 150 years going <laughs> would be would be great <laughs> wouldn't it yeah. but uh, yeah. we saw in journey's end right what happens to the dalek that goes mad mm. exactly and I was expecting a whole load of that. Mm. And in mm. the end, we mm. didn't, apart from eggs, eggs, <laughs> eggs, stir. It's apart from the Dalek that was coming up with a recipe for souffle. We didn't actually get yeah. any madness from the Daleks at all, did we? Not really, but it wasn't called madness of the Daleks, to be fair. It was, it was called, called Asylum, Asylum of the Daleks. Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is... Uh, yes. And look, here's the thing. Stephen Moffat. He likes to write mad stories about people. Stories about people running around, doing mad things, getting involved in mad situations. And here, he's kind of set himself the task of writing a story, not about people, but about Daleks. Mm. He's never done that kind of a monster before. Mm. And, you know, my worry coming into this would be, can he do a Dalek story? And I think that's the problem with it. It's not that it was bad. It's just that Stephen Moffat... Daleks who don't really go together. If if it hadn't been hyped up quite so much as they're the most insane Daleks you're ever going to meet, then it wouldn't have been so bad. If you if they were going down <clears> for a different reason, like a, a quest, why did they need to go down to the planet? I forgot. They needed to turn the thing off so the Daleks could blow it up. We didn't right. even get to see that, did we? Exactly. So the Doctor needed to get in. So why didn't he just 
jump in the TARDIS and go down and do it for because a start? Because of the force shield. Oh, what, the TARDIS can't break for a force shield? Well, that's the most powerful what we were... machine in the universe. Well, I suspect <laughs> you know, the Daleks on the spaceship mm. would probably have thought, hang on, if we put him in the TARDIS and tell him to go there, he'd probably mm. just go somewhere else. <laughs> well, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, mm. He's curious. They could have played on the curiosity thing. There were some Ooh. good moments. I thought the bit where you've got uh, Rory kind of coming to in the sort of yeah, dark Yeah, let's not, let's not diminish the fact that I thought... I, I think he handled it better than some people have mm. as far as a dark oh, story. I'm um, not saying by creepy. any means that it wasn't any good. Mm. No, no, I know that. I'm just saying mm. when you boil it right down to what it was about, the Daleks send the Doctor off to flick a switch and then the Doctor comes back. Yeah, I mean that's that's the bottom line. The yeah. actual, uh, you know, the way it was filmed was really quite gorgeous. The opening sequence was fantastic. I love that opening sequence. I thought it was great. I was really kind of whoa, here we go, um, with you know sweeping across the plains of Scarrow and stuff like that. And the visual choices were really good. But I felt yeah, and I, but I felt it wasn't delivering it as much as the wit and the pizzazz that you normally get with Stephen Moffat. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Which is but it's a good... I thought it was quite a good Dalek story, per se. Yeah, mm. but the wit and the pizzazz is what you expect. Yeah. And I think what he's done is he's pulled back on that because he's doing Daleks. And so he, you kind of... He needn't, though. He, no, he I know. Quite, he laid it quite heavily on um, General Louise Coleman, though, didn't, yeah. didn't he? As far as the wisecracking and the... Yeah, but then it's like normally you get it from all the characters in mm. the Stephen Moffat script, and mm. if only one of them's doing it, it kind of actually points out the fact that the others aren't doing it. Mm. Mm. You know, it just it was just such an odd tone for a Stephen Moffat story. It was an odd I tone. Think, I think it's definitely a second watching episode. Yeah. Yeah, we said this earlier, didn't we? It deserves a second watch. Mm. Now we know the twist. Mm. Maybe we'll enjoy it a second time looking at it differently. Um, that twist's going to carry through. That's it. Stephen Moffat says, okay, we'll do lots of standalone episodes. And what we're going to do is we're going to give the companion like six months early, four months early, whatever it is, <laughs> in a situation that you know she can't get out of. So you're going to spend the next four months wondering, how did she get out of that? That's but, probably even longer than we had to wait between the impossible astronaut and wedding <laughs> of River Song, isn't it? <laughs> Nightmare man is. Uh, before we talk about Jenna, Louise Coleman, um, Amy and Rory were back. Yeah. With a marriage breakup, mm. how how real did that feel to you at the beginning? Did it feel like that's no. kind of that no? I didn't believe that Amy would a become a model. Seems such a vacuous job for a time traveller. Well, gets alluded to before, doesn't it? Closing mm. time, yeah, yeah. In clo- that's what I mean. Even then, I didn't believe it. But um, oh right, right. Uh, it's okay. just a, a bad, you know. And you know, they're breaking up at the beginning. I didn't, I didn't feel that. Oh, yeah. they're breaking up. But actually, when they got to that moment where they were talking to each other because the doctor had basically fixed that particular situation so they would talk to each other. I thought that was amazing. I yes, loved the was. acting in that. It was the mm. best acting from both of those act- actors. Brilliant piece of uh, writing. Very clever. It was a nice one scene line, uh, one one scene situation. Yeah. Though. Mm. That felt very, um, this is going to sound odd, felt very Mark Gatiss to me. Felt yeah. like a sketch from a sketch show. You start the scene with the couple who've broken up and you end the scene with the couple back together. <laughs> and it's just a case of, you know, it's like when you tell a joke, you start at A and you get to C. And in between A and C, you don't go via B because that's yeah. just straightforward. When you tell a joke, you've got to put deception in there so that when you get to C, it's really obvious that C's where you were getting to. 
but until you get to see, you can't yeah. see it coming. Oh, no, it was obvious. And that's what that scene felt to it me like. It was obvious, but the way yeah. it was written was very good. And also, okay, we, nice. we had, we had yeah. uh, we, you know, we hark back to the 2,000 years of waiting, which he didn't talk about in The Girl Who Waited. I yeah. Mean, yeah, it was condensed. It was, con- it was, it felt, as you say, it felt very real, but it was condensed, as you say, into a few minutes, mm. if that. Well, yeah. Um, it's like at the start of the episode. With a great little high hat think... at the end yeah, with absolutely. the doctor because yeah. of his bow tie. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. That was nice. No, but at the start of the episode, he's handing her divorce papers, and you think them getting get back together is going to be a thread that runs throughout the entire episode, when actually the entire thing is done in just this one scene, hmm. which felt, you know, it was a really nicely written scene. And yeah, you're right. The bit where the doctor walks past and tugs his bow tie, beautiful and very funny. But actually, you know, them getting back together takes 30 seconds. How long did it take them to split up? It does feel a bit pat. Yeah, but maybe some people recognise yeah. that situation and go, well, actually, these things do take a long time. Well, perhaps. There was resentment between the two characters. You could tell that. Well, perhaps. All that's got to happen is they stop talking to each other. Well, no. Without, without us going into a relationships yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. or uh, anything the, like that. I was going to say, divorce was a really bit heavy. Is, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to point well, out, it's the raggedy man that's yeah. brought them together and fighting monsters throughout time and space that's kept them together... And the fact that he's dropped them off and they've not seen him for 10 months that has caused them to split up. Mm. So, of course, when he comes back into their lives, they're going to get back together. That's nature. And then, you know, at the end of episode five of this series, they'll be divorced again. (laughs) Or dead. Or whatever. (laughs) Something. Hopefully, one of them will. Oh, (laughs) that's nasty. (laughs) Mark, you've not really spoken much. They get a word in edgeways, do I? Yeah, well, that's fair <laughs> enough. But what did you did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought there were some really interesting visual touches. Like Lee was saying, the, the look of Scaro. Nice to see that again for first time in Yonks. Did you um, enjoy it? Yes, there were some interesting visual moments. There were some. What do you mean? Is there were some great visual moments? <laughs> Sellers on the fact that you enjoyed it. Okay, there were some great visual moments. That's it. <laughs> that's what we're looking that's for. A soundbite. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, it was. It was um, it was quite fun, like you say. I don't. <laughs> that was the sound of the Mister Grumpy Cup coming up to Mark's head and being put down, <laughs> back on the table by Jr. I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <clears throat> I know, but Scaro. Okay, you know we didn't. We haven't seen it for it how long. It was lovely to see Scaro, and it was Scarrow. destroyed. Scarrow. Yeah, home of the Daleks. Yeah, it was... Or Scarrow. Yes. Oh, no, I forgot to say, right, this, I was going to be the token, just for our American listeners, I was going to pronounce it as Dalek the whole episode. See if you can continue And that that's our listening figures down by 50% right there. <laughs> <laughs> can you do it in a Welsh, Scottish and Irish accent at the same time? Mm-hmm. At the same time? Yeah. They would just cancel it. <laughs> it would it'd be silence. Nice to see Scarrow. Yes. Uh, when Terry Notion very first wrote the very first Dalek script, and it was just a word written on a piece of paper, had he intended for them to pronounce it Scaro and they got it wrong? I hope not. Well, this is the man who comes up with planets like Aridius. <laughs> I mean, this is the man who names everything after its function. I mean, it, the planet is called Scaro. It's the planet of the scares. That's why it's called that. Yeah, I like Scarrow because it sounds like scars. 
Yeah. That's well, what okay. Da- that's what the Daleks need. I'm just curious. Terry Nation, just kick on your box three times if you'd intended it to be pronounced Scaro. Oh, just two, so it's Scaro. Okay. Well, that's sorted. <laughs> I stalk in the snow. Anybody get excited about that? No. I love that scene. Yeah, it was cool. It was, uh, obviously, snow. I immediately thought of the Dinoga in Star Wars. Yeah, I thought of Star Wars as well. But also there's yeah. a hark back to um, Patrick Troughton, isn't there? The Dalek in the Sand. That's William Hartnell. The, was it? Chase. Was yeah. it the sand? Was that, which one was? The Chase. That was the third Dalek story. Jeez, that was a song by Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> Say that again for the Dalek Belli- in the Sand. I don't know. Dalek in the Sand. We're Dalek. not going to do this anymore, are we? Let's in future. Let's leave a few hours between watching the episode <laughs> and trying to review it. <laughs> the other ones are better. Um, no, I, no. Okay, well, whatever. It was a hark back to the black and white era, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. And it's nice to see a snowy planet. I like the Ute sphere. So a good snowy planet makes me excited. I'd like underused. I'd like to see jungles, proper jungles in Doctor Who again. You want a jungle back, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Look, was this episode a classic? Was this episode up there with the best of Stephen Moffat or the best of Doctor Who? Because that was our expectation. I think Stephen Moffat doing Daleks had the fanboy gene in all of us ringing like crazy. Did he deliver? Not quite in my book. He had moments. Yeah. <laughs> Finn says yes. That's probably... Oh, yeah, the word yeah. from the expert, really. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, you are the had, target we, audience. We had, uh, we had the Doctor have another name, not just the oncoming stone. He's now the Predator of the Daleks, which apparently they've been calling him for ages and we've missed. Oh, um, that's Stephen Moffat stamping his authority on the show. Yeah, and we had all the golden Daleks from RTD, yeah. which were all in the ship and then a couple of smarty Daleks up top. And it was that was like, well, has he been listening to maybe you know the fans around the world saying, "I like your Daleks, oh, we like no the gold question. ones." So you know that was quite nice to see the gold Daleks back because they are probably my favourites at the moment. I, I really like the design, so I'm glad they were back. Yeah, but you had this. You had this. Actually, there was a really good moment in it, which got me quite excited, and it was the Daleks saying, "Save us." I like that line. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, because I haven't watched any of the previews or i haven't seen anything in the you know radio trailers times or, or trailers or anything so i didn't know what's coming you've been completely unspoiled i i was blind to everything so i've been unspoiled <laughs> by it so that was a really nice moment for me i just thought oh great that was a little moffaty moment yeah it was good let's twist the daleks turn them around for the second time in succession because last time moffat did daleks even though mark gators wrote it it was victory of the daleks so I think we'd kind of come to expect that, really. Like a cup of tea. Or at least next time we see Stephen Moffat doing the Daleks, we'll know what to expect, won't we? What? They're turning them a... up on their heads. Yeah. Stephen Moffat does well, Daleks. We, you say that, but we were expecting to make them all crazy and mad with fantastic puns, you know, talking to each other <clears> down <throat> at the asylum. Oh, what have you been doing today? I don't know. I've been chasing chickens or something, you know. But Yeah, but what I'm saying is... Didn't get that, did we? Uh, no, last time Stephen Moffat did the Daleks, they were offering to make us tea, yes. and this time they're saying save us. Mm. So next time we see the Daleks and Stephen Moffat, they'll be down at the Doctor's feet kissing his shoes. Well, they'll be saying, "Who are you?" Which was a, a, a really that, that was, was the laughing. best thing about yes. the episode. Which was a brilliant moment turning, because I think I said in a previous podcast at some point when I was showrunner, you know, in in the Choices podcast mm. a few back, 
that I would wipe the Doctor's brain so every alien that he comes across would be fresh and new. And, of course, Mr. Stephen did the opposite. Other, the opposite of what I just said, which was to so now the Dalek walks Daleks. around the, the Doctor walks around the universe and the Daleks don't know who he is. Yes. Yeah, Great idea. See, yeah, but is that going to work? Who cares? It's a bit different, isn't it? I'm fed up with them all going, it's the oncoming storm. <laughs> it's the predator. <laughs> it's the nasty man with the big chin. Or whatever title they decide to give him on the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time we see the Daleks, the Doctor will walk in and they won't know to fear him. No, exactly. They'll treat him like every... Like William Hartnell. But as... Well, maybe they'll have a bit of arrogance. But as they of... pointed out at the start of the episode, if they hadn't feared him and seen fear as a thing of beauty, they'd have killed him. So next time the Doctor meets the Daleks, Bang. they'll just exterminate him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you. So, think. you know, thanks, Stephen. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to, you know, that's how you're going to finish Doctor Who, isn't it? Next Dalek story is the last Doctor Who story. Mm. But I didn't, feel, I didn't feel like any of the, the Daleks were threatening until Rory woke one up. And that yeah. was a really good moment. It was. That, that was very, it was a bit like Destiny, the Daleks, when Davros first twitches into existence. I had the same feeling as a kid when I saw that. I did start to wonder whether they'd kept quiet about Davros being somewhere in the middle of it all, but who well, he was according to my notes. I was obviously wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dalek human zombies, that was uh, that was quite a moment. I like them on the spaceship with the hoodies. Yeah, there were all sorts of it was filled with sort of bits of mad ideas, yeah. the kind of stuff you'd expect Stephen Moffat to come up with. Mm. But none of them seemed to really go anywhere. No. You know what I mean? It was like that bit with the dark, the zombies on the spaceship. Mm. It was like, well, there they were for about mm. 30 seconds, and then there it was. But that's that's what was missing from this episode. Were, it was the way the Doctor deals with the situation. So with the zombies, he kicked a few out of the way and jumped through a door. That was really dull, okay, the way he dealt with that. Yeah, there's nothing... But the way he dealt with that Dalek that came in and, and he made him reverse back in... Was, was a punch in the air moment yeah. for yeah. me. I went, that's it. That's the Doctor I want. The clever, oh, I'm going to reverse you. <laughs> and he just <laughs> yeah. goes back. Into, you know, okay, it's a simple kind of push the bomb back into the the people. But it's the way yeah, it was yeah. done that was very nice and very... Tis, something else clever. is interesting with uh, Stephen Moffat seems to be doing to the classic monsters. He, he augments them, doesn't he? Because he did the same with the Cybermen that when he found, when they found a, a Cyberman in the, in the, mm-hmm. the tomb or whatever it was. Um, it immediately started coming to life and, and the helmet looked for another host and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got the same thing happening with the Daleks where all of a sudden they've got these nanobots that are taking... Oh, yeah. Stephen Moffat loves to stamp his authority on stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And and, um, nanobots. It probably explains why he won't leave the Weeping Angels alone. He keeps adding new things that they do and well, than keeping them simple. But. I'd say probably his Nana's got a statue in the back garden and Nana <laughs> statue. I know, that was a bit of a strain. <laughs> it's not even late. <laughs> um, we haven't talked much about the twist. Yeah, oh, did we all see that coming? It's time for that, isn't it? Did you see it coming? Yeah. At, what point, did. at what point, Mark, did you see it coming? Uh, I think it was the point where he says, why can't I see you? You can yeah. see me, why can't I see you? Right. And the fact that she's staring through a sort of round window, visualizer, whatever I you want to call it. got it when he walked into the white room. Mm. You know, that was mm. pretty late, but... I was questioning all the way through as to why she hadn't been affected by the nanobots. Of course. 
because she other, wouldn't have been able to seal it in time. But oh, the other point is, of course, we all know that she's going to be the companion come Christmas. Mm. So, you know, that was a red herring in and of itself. You're not expecting her to be a Dalek no. because, you know, she's going to be a human in four months' time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, as, it, as it was dawning on me, I was thinking, this is a great idea. This is how you would imagine being inside a Dalek. You wouldn't know that you were necessarily a Dalek. You wouldn't be able to feel... You know, she's obviously disappeared into her own imagination, and that's what she believes she is. She's that human inside a Dalek. That's great. I really enjoyed all of so that. Did that mean she was the most crazy one of the lot because they shoved her in a padded cell at Probably. the end of the? Ironically, yeah. yes. Yeah. yes. Because she still thought she was. A of course, you had a clue, didn't you, when Amy started hallucinating? Mm. To oh, yeah. kind of give an example of that's how the human mind copes. Escapes. Copes with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. What did we all think of Jenna Louise then? Well, she was great. Ben, what did you think of Jenna Louise? I thought she was quite a good actor. And what about the character? What do you think they might do with the character? I don't know. (laughs) Well, fair enough. I guess it's Stephen Moffat. Nobody has a clue, really, until it happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know, really. I was a little bit... There's a thing that actors do when they are... Trying to be excited about a situation that obviously isn't in front of them, and they're they're acting, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the acting fails a bit. Green screen acting. Yeah, it fails there's a bit. It quite doesn't, a lot doesn't of that, feel real. Um, there's a lot of actors and Doctor Who support cast actors that do that, and she felt like a support cast actor in this until she slowed down and started talking. Yeah, properly. the first two or three scenes that she was in, it yeah. was obvious she was acting against nobody. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. She didn't feel strong. But actually, do you know what? Throughout the episode, I can't wait to she see got her better. again. Yeah, yeah. And what a lovely little thing she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the end, yes, by the end, she was a lot better than she was at the start, which was odd. I guess mm. if I guess if was they it just linear. <laughs> Well, um, that's what I'm saying. I guess if they just had her in the one set for like one day or something, they would have filmed it all in order. So she would have settled in, relaxed into Mm. doing it like that, you know, as the day went on, because that was probably all done in a day or maybe two days. Mm. Probably with none of the other actors there with, you know, somebody, Marcus Wilson, reading Mm. in her lines off camera. That's true, yeah. So that's how she would have done it. Yeah, so so I could tell that she was. Yeah, like, she looked a bit. She looked a bit scared of what she was doing at the start, and she relaxed into it later on. Mm. And, and she'll be a lot better when she's acting opposite actors. Yeah, I think so. And there was a lot of colloquialism. Colloquial, can you say the word Caligula? <laughs> Colloquialisms. Thank you. Uh, that were very twentieth century, not twenty uh, first century. You know, oh, love in the chin and all that. And I think that's very Amy. And I really want to get away from that. I want somebody to talk yeah, so I can hear Stephen them. Stephen Moffat. That's Steve. what all his characters talk like. <laughs> Talking like a train hurtling towards a Caligula. It's <laughs> <laughs> to Chen to versus tra- the nose. You two could have a sword fight. <laughs> Is she though. supposed to be from the 21st century, though? She was on a spaceship. Well, that's what I mean. If I felt like she was from the future. That's, well, possibly. I don't know. Where is she from? When is she from? Who what knows? Point? She's from the spaceship Alaska. The doctor's gonna is the doctor gonna have his first non-contemporary companion I when hope she so. joins? Well, I guess we'll find out when yeah. she does. Mm-hmm. I'm what still do you a bit clueless and all this. It's nice, it's nice that they're, we're going into the um, conversion thing as well because that's quite horrific. That still doesn't sit well with me, which is quite nice. Conversion of a human to Dalek. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's never been done on a psychological level. No, it hasn't. I don't think, has it? don't think so. No, so that was quite good, actually. 
Yeah, the, the last time it's anything that what was it was Daleks in Manhattan. There was the the, the guy got changed, didn't he? But that wasn't mm. really. And that was changed the other way around. The previous to that was it rem- Remembrance? Well, there were. Um, yes, yes. You can almost see that working better as a, as an idea. Uh, you know, uh, the Dalek looking out and everything else it hates. Mm. But that's because it's been completely brainwashed. You know the chemicals have been changed within the brain and it's been converted into this mutant you can see that psychologically how that how, how that would work visually in in this episode mm-hmm. i think would you uh sorry i was waiting for mark to tell me about jenny louise i thought she was really good i really i've warmed to her she's really kind of sparky and mm. i don't know if that's going to be the same performance when mm. we meet her again it might be a different take on the character good so point. especially knowing the way moffat works i think it could be um Oh, let's a bit face of a twist. it. Moffat puts the same dialogue into all his characters' mouths. <laughs> well, remains to be seen. She'll be <laughs> quippy. Hmm, She'll like, be quippy, won't she? He did that like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, are we going to mark it out of ten? Oh God, it's really difficult. I do, mm. I do think it honestly needs a second watch because I'm, I'm not. It was a lot to take in, and. It's hard to know how it operates as operates <laughs> operates as an episode. Okay, but we still have to mark it out of ten so we can set the precedent so that we can mark the other episodes that we're going to watch out of ten. Okay, uh, a sort of a preemptive strike at a mark out of ten. Let's get Finn That's to hard, give us it? a mark out of ten first. I think eight or nine. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, well, if he's anything like his dad, he'll say 8.75. 8.75. Yay. <laughs> there you go. Good lad. Go on then, Lee. Surprise us. Uh, I think seven. I, I I think it's only a seven because I want to. Wa- I need to watch it again, and I think mm. it may possibly go higher next time. I I like the scope. I like the whole feeling of it. I like the idea it was cinematic. It was audacious. It was going for something massively different. But again, I don't know, it fails on a few fronts. It just didn't bore you along as a ride. It didn't pull you along. That's right. Mark? Yeah, on first viewing, seven for me as well, I think. Come on. Yeah, seven as well. Um, Same reasons that Lee's given. Um, Well, as you say, there was was so many lovely things going on. I I thought the Daleks were definitely going in the right direction, back to what they should be. Yeah. Um, And lots of nice set pieces. The twist was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, it needs a rewatch, and but at this point in time, it's going to be, it would be higher, as you say, if it had buoyed you along. So it's got to be a seven. Well, I'm going to hesitantly say eight because between now and tomorrow morning, I've got to sit down and write about it for about two hours. And generally speaking, when I do that, I keep reminding myself of things that I liked, and by the end, I always give it a mark higher than I would have. So it would have been a seven, but I think it's probably going to be an eight. And just on the logo and the new design of the <clears throat> credits. Well, the sort of opening titles are a bit darker, aren't they? I really like them. There's I think they, they wee all over the They just tweaked slot. it a bit, haven't they? Yeah. Much better. Better kind colours. Of blurred, isn't there? It's kind of like a... I can't think what they call it. The I'm not music- quite sure what that logo was all about. Oh, the blink... supposed to be the Dalek... Bumps, yeah. Bumps. It was the bling logo, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Was Run <laughs> could wear that around the yeah. next... Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I like that though, to be honest. <laughs> no, I didn't like that much. It was like well, that you won't have came to see in it next time round, will you? Well, no, that, that was far it. too the only way as Essex. That logo, wasn't it? Yeah, but um, 
I don't know, I thought I liked it. I mean, they, they, we didn't have the the snap of the lightning, did we? Going and the uh, yeah, and we the, did. Did we? Yes. Well, visually, it was there. I think they might have got rid of the sound effects. Thank you. That's, no, that was still there as well. Was it? Are you sure? Yes. What about the music? Is that different? It is no, different. Isn't no, it? no, same. No, all they've, done is, they've purely got rid of the changed the text. up and changed the fonts. Really? They've got yeah. rid of the three D text. That's all I'm they've sure done. The yeah. sound and the, everything sounded different to me. Oh, it's because well. you're watching it on a decent telly. Yeah, you're watching <laughs> on a, probably. Yeah. yeah, you're watching on a different telly to normal, so maybe that's. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not the old pirate video. <laughs> he lies. He lies. <laughs> He usually watches it on the library about three months after it's broadcast. <laughs> this is weird. This, yeah, can I just say this is the first time I've watched it on a Saturday night in ages. Yes. It's the first time any of us have watched it on a Saturday night in ages. Yeah. Well, apart from ones yeah. that we've just put on on a Saturday night on DVD. Mm. Right, on that note, uh, we shall say goodnight and we'll see you next week when we're talking about uh, cowboys in a town called Mercy. Yeehaw. <laughs> uh, I was JR. I was Lee. I'm Finn. I was Simon. And I was Mark. And we did that in completely the wrong order, but <laughs> who cares? <laughs> You can contact us by email via blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. thingy the Alaska ship thing mine too high five boy all right <laughs>